LDA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I want to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. back everyone to the guys and ties podcast this is dustin and it's just me today no rob uh, it's unfortunate but you know we are uh, leading different busy lives i have a theory that he's just ducking me he doesn't want to speak after unc loses to uva you know he's got this new team and everything so anyway i think he's i think he's playing hard to get doesn't want to talk about that loss to uva in the nc in the ACC tournament and the subsequent snub from the NCAA tournament and then the subsequent not going to the NIT, which, yeah, I'll talk about later, but I think uh, I have a lot of feelings on that. Now, Rob uh, is not here, but it's kind of weird for me, and I've done this before, but it's not my favorite where I just talk at you for 30 or so minutes and do a solo pod, but uh, what I want to do is I actually, I I had a friend reach out to me, an old friend, dear friend, and we were able to meet up. He's actually started his own podcast recently. His name goes by the name of Sean Crow. We met at UVA. He was in Who Crew with me for, for several years. We actually ended up graduating the same time because I, I took the I took a victory lap to, to get my master's, and then he was a year beneath me, so we graduated at the same time. And uh, we've been we've been watching games ever since. So he was a great guest to have on. I was happy to talk to him and interview him. And it's always good to to hear someone else's thoughts. You know, you, you talk to the same people over and over again. And it sounds like it's me specifically. I talk to myself and it's just an echo chamber of of doubts and thoughts about what UVA could do in the NCAA tournament and, and beyond. And so it's always good to bounce some some thoughts off each other. So I had a great time interviewing Sean, and it's coming up at, during this episode. That's really all this episode is going to be is that interview. So make sure to to give it a listen. It's coming up right after this. I'm not going to sign off at the end. I'm just gonna just gonna let the interview roll out. And as always, go Hoos, beat Furman, and hope hope it ends well for us. Here's Sean Crow. And I'm here tonight with my good friend and rival podcaster, Sean Crow of the Who's Hoopin' podcast, new podcast on the street. Saw saw me and Rob's fame and wanted a piece. Sean, how are you feeling tonight? How have you been? It's been a while since since I've seen you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Dawson, for having me on. Um, guess if, if you can't beat them, join them. So thanks for having me on in, in Rob's absence today. But yeah, doing well and and pumped for this time of year. Rob has, uh, for for those who are in the know, Rob's been ducking me. Uh, he's scared. He doesn't want me to make fun of him for being a UNC fan now. And the first year he is one, they suck and uh, don't make it to the NIT even. They they duck out of that. I, I want to start just real quick. Sean, what are your thoughts on Carolina, you know, backing out of the NIT. I felt it was cowardly and, you know, 
kind of unwarranted. How how do you feel about them not making the NCAA tournament and then declining the NIT bid? Yeah, I I'm in the same boat as you. Um, the vibe that it gave was that UNC is too prideful of a program to stoop to the level of the NIT, which I think just kind of sends a bad message. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the UVA women's team declined their NIT bid, but they only have like six healthy players left and injuries were kind of the primary driving factor there. But um, it was interesting after the UVA lost, um, I, I did see some of the player interviews for for UNC, um, Baycott and, and Caleb Love. And I think Caleb Love said that he would love the chance to go out there and play with his teammates one more time. And Baycott was much more muted and, and less excited. Um, but regardless, yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of a, a lame decision on their part to not go. There's just a lot of benefits to it too. You get extra practices, time with the team, you get to travel to a new plate. Well, Carolina might not have. They would have had some home games at first, but still, you know, it's a different experience and it's a tournament style, so it's more exciting. There's just a lot of benefits to it, especially for younger players on this UNC team, like you know, guys like Seth Trimble, who really could use the extra experience for the upcoming year. But, you know, whatever. I uh, They're not in the tournament. It could be worse. They could have joined and then lost their opening game like Rutgers did. So, you know, at least they got that going for them, which is nice, I suppose. But it's 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 too bad, I guess, that UNC season was so – it was so weird that they started, like, coming off of last year so good and then and then this year just really couldn't – ever get it going and i i I really don't know i've seen so many takes about why they were not as good this year it's just you know there's so many reasons why it's it's kind of weird it's a strange situation yeah i think the the most common take you see is uh that peter nance or pete nance did not equal brady manic but i think that yeah probably over oversimplifies things a bit um to put all the blame on him yeah, and you know, like Caleb Love was shooting a lot, but not making a lot more. Uh, you know, Baycott was you know hobbled by it. they had some injury problems. You know, Nance was injured for a couple games. Baycott injured his hit like both ankles are you know healing from him. So there's just a lot of different things that you know went wrong, and I think could have been um, definitely with the issue with them but you know we're, out to, we're already talking about the acc let's talk about the tournament I, I haven't really had a chance to break down the tournament with anyone in uva's run in it which to be quite honest i i didn't quite expect uva's run especially with the news of ben vanderplas's injury coming out right before the carolina game on thursday so first off can what what were your feelings with the vanderplas news the injury and uh, what, how, how UVA responded to that. Yeah, so on the human side of things, I, I felt awful for him being a, a fifth-year senior, using his COVID year. Uh, this time of year is why you make the move from mm-hmm. a place like Ohio to a place like Virginia to have a chance at the deep run in March. Uh, so felt, you know, and you know, he's really well-liked by his teammates, all indications. Um, so really felt for him with the situation. But that being said, I thought we did a great job um, responding, um, you know, guys being cast into bigger roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, who couldn't be ecstatic for, for Caden and, you know, kind of the, the games he had against uh, Clemson 
and uh, UNC. Yeah. Uh, Cafro played well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dunn didn't really get quite the jump in playing time that many expected, but, you know, loved loved the defensive energy he brought as well. And then we even saw Tane Murray as like a ancillary mm-hmm. benefactor of uh, BVP's absence. And I thought, you know, collective effort, I thought it was a great group response to fill the void lost by uh, BVP being out. Yeah. It's just the you're talking about Caden a lot. Caden Shedrick really stepped up. Yeah, he had a lot of couple DNPs in the last in the games leading up to the the ACC tournament. And he when he did play, he didn't look that confident. He was looking a little little sluggish and kind of almost like it, it was it yeah, you know, sort of like he wanted to be the starter, but he just you know he wasn't anymore. Kind of like that downtrodden kind of look, but in the tournament he looked like a completely different player I mean, he was playing like like he was towards the very beginning of the season where he had some of those really like statistically great games against some of those lesser opponents he looked like some like sometimes last year he had so a couple games like that like against duke at duke where he was dunking all over uh the duke players and cameron so you know he he played really well and poppy came out and gave us some great minutes and He's Poppy's more or less an enforcer at this point in his career. He's just really, you know, he's in there to get some, get a couple hard fouls and set some good screens. And, and he, he was rewarded with some open dunks as well. Yeah. He caught some balls and was able to put it in. So, you know, props to both of those guys for the games against Clemson and Carolina. They, they really, they really stepped up, but the missing Vanderplas was really, not something that I expected at first because he's been such an integral part of our system for so long. And just the whole, basically throughout 2023, we've been using the triangle offense with him kind of as the linchpin of that, where he's able to pass out, back out and shoot, set picks for the guards. I think that he did a really great job of, of doing that. And without him, our team really kind of not not went backwards, but like we definitely resorted to the old sides offense and mover blocker. So I think it was, I was a little unnerved by that, but overall it worked out fine. And until the game against Duke where, you know, we couldn't hit a shot and Duke really played us well. So speaking of Duke, you know, they really come at us and their length bothered us a lot. How, how did the Duke game kind of set your expectations for what was to come in the NCAA tournament? Like, what were you thinking going into the NCAA tournament based on the Duke game? Yeah, I think um, really I I would probably look at it, um, the Clemson game and the Duke game, I would try to look at in one picture, uh-huh. meaning that, you know, the Clemson game went about as well as anyone could have asked for. Like, right. we, we looked so crisp offensively. I think what these two games showed us is that we're probably not as good as we were against Clemson, mm-hmm. nor are we as bad as we looked against Duke. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I'm I'm setting my expectations is that uh, it was kind of easy to feel on top of the world after the Clemson game, but then had the, the quick reminder the next day. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of feel like, you know, with the Clemson game, it felt like the Vegas who's all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I also think we're we're probably better than we showed against Duke. I, I think that uh, Kihei and Reese in particular had probably both had their sloppiest games of the year against Duke, and um, mm-hmm. I would look for them to you know clean things up uh, come this week with a with the tournament. Yeah, both both Reese and Kihei usually really sure-handed guards turn the ball over. He, uh, you know, Kihei had three turnovers. Reese had four turnovers. Armand had three turnovers. So we were just unable to get it to the places where we wanted to in the in the offense and the the game against. Yeah, I mean Duke had. I mean credit to where it's. I hate saying this, but like Duke Duke Shire had a great great game plan against our against our offense and you know to his to his credit he's been watching and scouting this team for for years that he knows mover blocker and triangle is not something that we've used really at all since this year and you know tony's had a couple other offenses thrown in there but but mostly the bread and butter of uva is mover blocker so it's it's not surprising that Shire knows it a little bit and was able to use his 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 team well. Like Lively, you know, Lively only had two blocks, but he was altering a lot of different stuff. Uh Roach and Proctor were uh you know really bothering us. Filipowski had three steals. He was jumping lanes. He looked like Reese, he was just jumping passing lanes. So it was a tough game, and luckily they're not in our bracket. So, you know. Uh, the only the the only team we would face that's any as athletic as them is Alabama, and that would be in the Sweet Sixteen if if we're so lucky to get that far. So honestly, it's it is what it is. And this team has limitations, just like any team. The weakness is long athletic players, and I think that's been the case for many years. Ever since this team's been really good, it's just when there's a really athletic team this team struggles a little bit. And I think that, I think that's really all that is to it. Yeah, definitely. And one other thing that I would add for, for weaknesses of this team is just inconsistent three point shooting. Yeah. Um, obviously three point shooting is going to be uh, more volatile um, for any team, but this team in particular, it seems like Isaac McNeely is definitely the most consistent shooter on the team, but, Mm-hmm. Armand Franklin can have days where he's, you know, like five of six, and then he can have days where he's one of six. And mm-hmm. just, I feel like we see a whole lot of variability with our three point shooting. So that's kind of one other thing that I think has um, kind of limited us a little bit uh, as we've gone through this year. Yeah. And that's really true. And we, we didn't shoot the ball well at all in the ACC tournament. We made 14 threes on, hold on, I'm doing some quick math. Uh, 32 uh 49 shots so we were really not good at all 23.5 against duke 35 against clemson which is which is pretty decent and in carolina we were at 26 again so it's it's not it's not like this team was using the three ball in the acc tournament we just were able to get to the we were able to get to the line a little bit especially against carolina and we were able to yeah, make our twos against against uh, all the other teams. You know, we shot fifty percent from the field against Clemson. So this team can make it, and this team has got a lot of tools. You know, Jaden played really well in 
the first two games against Carolina and Clemson. He had you know, 23 against Clemson and he had 17 against Carolina. Just some really good movement. He had some mismatches that he took advantage of, made some tough shots as well. But you know, when he was bothered by a bigger, a bigger guard and Filipowski or or Lively, I don't, I'm not sure who was guarding him, but it was probably one of those two. He couldn't do anything. He had seven points, three of nine shooting. Um, not a bad night, but definitely not a night that we needed from him, especially when no one else could hit anything. So I, I think that against a team like Furman, you know, Gardner might be able to have uh, one of his games where he really locks in because uh, he matches up a lot better with with the guys that Furman has. Yeah, definitely. Um, you think that front court size mismatch would be a little less of a factor in the Furman game. Um, so hopefully that's a game that that Gardner can can kind of get in a rhythm. Yeah. Um, in terms of what we know about Furman. Um, I know that they're one of the best offensive teams in the country. That mm-hmm. being said, they don't seem like they're they shoot that high of a percentage from three. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, hopefully we won't be victim to one of those um, patented, you know, opponents going like fifty five percent from three against us. Yeah. But um, but yeah, um, I guess maybe that's kind of a transition to the to the tournament. Um, how yeah. are you feeling about the draw and and yeah how about this week in general so i'm nervous and a lot of people have been asking me i tell people around the school i work at like i'm nervous like i don't want to talk about it i just want to like leave me alone and everyone's like why you know why you're playing Furman? like i've never heard of Furman. Furman's a good team i mean once you get to the tournament i said this to you before we started recording there are there are no really bad teams unless you're talking about you know the like the play-in games right now, those teams are not those teams are not great. But they're they were good enough to win three or four games in a row in their conference tournament. They were good enough to to make it this far. They're gonna give a good fight. And this Virginia team is something about it. It doesn't matter who's on the team, doesn't matter, you know, if we have three or four uh future NBA players on the team like we did in 2019. The opening games, this team comes out flat. We come out scared. We come out, you know, whatever it is. And something about Virginia just screams that we're ripe for an upset. It seems every year. You know, you can go back to um, UNC UNC Greensboro uh, back in, I think that was 2013 or 14, where we really almost – Almost lost that game. I mean, UMBC, of course, we came out flat again, couldn't shoot. Even Gardner-Webb, where we ended up winning by 14, you know, we were losing by 10 in the first half. And that was scary. And so this team really needs to lock in. And I don't know what Tony can do to make that happen because whatever he's done in the past hasn't really worked. And so... Ohio, even, you know, Ohio, Ben Vanderplas came out and nuked us uh, for Ohio, and we couldn't do anything about it. And that team also had two NBA players, uh, three, Mamadi, Towser, and Trey Murphy. So, like, we, you know, still couldn't make it happen. 
Yeah, I, I think that first game, I think that was uh, Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Uh, rather, rather than UNC Greensboro. But yes, definitely. Right. There's been a few games, you know, in addition to the UMBC game, that's obviously the one that people remember. But there's been a few other games where we've been heavy favorites and, you know, down at halftime a few points or mm-hmm. only winning by one. And yeah, I remember Gardner Webb kind of blitzed us at the beginning and we were down like mm-hmm. 13 or something and people were like, oh, here we go again. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously part of the answer to that is that we play low tempo. So we kind of give teams, you know, more of a fighting chance by by playing fewer possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, law of large numbers can't play as much of a factor as, as it would with, with a higher number of possessions. But that being said, um, defensive ability is thought to be more controllable and consistent so that should hopefully you know kind of raise our our floor some as well but but yeah definitely always always got to get those first game jitters out of the way and you always hope that it doesn't take too long for that to happen yeah yeah you know it just it's kind of a weird situation because you know everyone especially this year because you know you see you every article i read is like Furman is the upset pick this year. Uh, Furman is going to beat Virginia. Furman this, Furman that. and But what if you read more into it, there's some things about Furman that match up really well with UVA and what we do. Furman is the best, uh, is the team, has the highest percentage in the country of making two-point field goals, right? That's pretty good. That's impressive. They make free throws at a high clip. They are good at getting out of transition, but they don't play super fast like us. And UVA counter the deep, the UVA defense, the pack line is meant to counter everything that they do. We pack in, so it's hard to get into the paint. We do not uh, let teams get a lot of second chances. We're pretty good at not fouling for the most part. We don't turn the ball over very much. And so Furman, you know, and credit to Furman, you know, they've they've played really well this season. Seven losses is not bad. Um, but what's their best win? Is it South Carolina? That's not true, right? It might be did they beat Chattanooga three times? I don't know if that's a good win. So they don't have like the quality wins. Their best win may be only losing to Penn State by five. Yeah. Right. So like not bad. They don't have they beat Carol South Carolina, but South Carolina is like really bad this season. Mm-hmm. They don't have like the good win. They don't they didn't play teams like good like D like good really good teams very well. Um mm-hmm. they lost to NC State by 19. So They've got they've got the tools, they've got some good players. But I think UVA matches up really well with this team. And I think it's gonna be a good game because even if our offense isn't clicking, our defense can keep us in. And that's the beauty of defense, is that our defense is gonna travel no matter what. Um so that's that's what I'm that's that when I when I see that, that's what I that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you and yeah, I've seen a lot of that as well. Um, a lot of the experts are are picking Furman over us, which I guess given our 
given our history, shouldn't be too much of a surprise. But um, no. but yeah, um, you know, it was good for good for Furman to make the tournament. They lost on that like tragic uh, buzzer beater mm-hmm. last year in the conference tournament final yeah. to Chattanooga. So good for them to get some revenge. But I do agree with you that that I think that this is a a pretty good matchup for us. And I, I'd also add that, you know, going into the tournament, there was a lot of anxiety over selection Sunday. You know, what seat are we going to get? Are we going to be wronged by the committee or anything like that? Mm-hmm. And uh, just my general take when the when the bracket was unveiled is I actually think we got treated pretty well. And I think mm-hmm. we, you know, we probably got as good of a draw as you could ask for. Um, yeah. You know, we're we're a four seed. We got seated above Duke, who got a five mm-hmm. seed. We're kind of slated right in at that last four seed. Um, our kind of our first pod of four teams to deal with would be Furman, San Diego State, and Charleston. You know, Charleston. I know we talked about it before recording, but you know they are thirty-one and three this year. Um, San Diego State is a, a solid team from the Mountain West, I believe, and they play a very similar style to UVA. Mm-hmm. But that being said, if if you look at some of these other four seeds and their draws, you know, I, I kind of like ours a little bit better than theirs. Um, obviously, we would have Alabama to deal with in the Sweet 16 if we make it that far and they make it that far. But, you know, really kind of just looking at the bracket, I'm OK with with the draw that we were given. Yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the other four four seeds, you, you got Indiana in the Midwest their 13 is Kent State, not a pushover. And their 512 is Miami Drake, which is really tough. That's a tough, that's a tough mm-hmm. game right there. Drake is a good team. Miami is volatile, but has a lot of talent. So they, I mean, that game could go either way. My Indiana is in for a rough pod. You've got UConn, which drew Iona, which is tough. Rick Pitino is not to be messed with in the tournament. And then you got on the other side, St. Mary's and VCU. That's another tough 5-12 game right there. On the other side, you've got Tennessee as the four, who is really tanking right now. I mean, they lost their mm-hmm. – they got Ziegler is done for the season, their point guard, so that's tough. And they they get a hot Louisiana team that just, just won. My dad – shout out, my dad went to UL and uh, graduated. <laughs> Both his parents taught at UL. So I am a raging Cajun fan die hard and i don't i'm not wearing a shirt i'm wearing a uva shirt but you know when the cajuns play i'm gonna be cheering for them um but yeah tennessee's 512 is duke oral roberts and oral roberts has the best player one of the best players in the country and max Asmus, who uh rose to fame a couple couple tournaments ago and made it back to the tourney as a 12 seed and to face a, a really hot duke team as well won their last nine so and all things considered, I think we probably got the best draw. I mean, Charleston's good, but those other 12s are scary too. It's just, and I, I say this to everyone. You know, there's, I said this earlier, there's all, all these teams are good and you can find ways in which you can win and ways in which you can lose. And in the end, it's going to come down to a few calls, a few plays, a few, few makes or misses. And it could really go either way. And that's why this tournament's so fun is because there's really a lot of good teams this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I haven't filled out my bracket of it, or I haven't filled out my bracket yet. I'm sure it's going to be 
thrown in the trash after, you know, opening weekend. But, uh-huh. but yeah, that's the beauty of it and, and why we all love this tournament every year, just not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. So I, so I was filling out a bracket this today and I realized that I was just, I was, ba- it was really chalky. It was like in the sweet 16, it was like one, two, three, four, one, two, three. And I said, I can't do this. This is not how it's going to work. <laughs> and I, I have to redo it tomorrow. It's just, I think, I think it was, my vibe was off because the playing games haven't finished yet. And I really need those to finish to see how those teams are doing. So especially the, uh, the two eleven seeds tonight, I really want to see how they're doing, but um, I want to talk about the South region in general and how it compares, you know, it's, it's hard to compare regions, but the South, there's a lot of really interesting storylines in the South region with UVA. Uh, first off, you know, you think about San Diego State, you know, they play a really similar style to UVA. That'd be interesting. You've got Maryland as the eight seed, old UVA rival from the ACC, West Virginia cross-state rival. Um, you've also got in um, Utah State, whose head coach is Ryan Odom, who was the coach at UMBC when they won, which I think is pretty, pretty clever of them to stick stick them in there to just give UVA fans some some uh some pause before filling out their bracket. I, I think it's just a really interesting bracket as well as the fact that you've got Baylor, UVA, and um in there. It was some of the last two uh champions besides uh oh shoot uh besides Kansas from last year. So so I just think this is an interesting bracket that they put together. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that we played Baylor earlier this year, and that yeah. was kind of our our most signature win. So, yeah, I mean, Baylor and Arizona, those are those are two good teams on the other side of the bracket. Um, it's also interesting though; neither of them have very good defensive metrics. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some there's some stat out there I, I'd have to look it up, but in the since in the last like since whenever Ken Palm has existed, the, uh, the winner is like always in like the top 25 or 30 or something of defensive efficiency. And mm-hmm. neither one of those two teams for as good as they are, neither of those teams have good defensive metrics. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's kind of pros and cons to point out with each team. And then obviously Alabama earned the number one overall seed, but they've kind of had this cloud looming over their program that, yeah, you know, maybe we maybe we don't have to get into that too much, but uh, but yeah, definitely lots of storylines of intrigue here. Yeah, I think I I really like the bracket. I think I think it's whenever you think about brackets before you think about you know where you want your team to be and who you want to be matched up with and all this stuff and it never works out the way you want. But like, what what one seed do you want to be matched up as? Like as UVA as a UVA fan, like they all are matchup nightmares. I was thinking Kansas would be the best one for us simply because I think that we matched up better with their small ball lineup that they have, you know, with Jalen Wilson and um, uh, the, their big guy who is pretty small. I think he's only like six, nine, but he's really athletic. So I, I think we match up well with them, but you know, now that Vanderposs is hurt, you know, would you rather play Houston, who we lost to by eight at home this year, 
Alabama, who has the best player in the country, is a matchup nightmare for us, by the way. Or Purdue, who has the other best player in the country, who's <laughs> a worse matchup nightmare for us. I, I just, you know, there's no there's no winning here. And so you just got to play the games you're given, I guess. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And I'll just say a uh, little aside here. If we end up playing San Diego State in the second round, take the under. I don't know what the over-under will be, but I can't picture either team scoring above 50 in that game if it were UK-San right. Diego State. Yeah, that's a that's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, do you know the over-under for UVA Furman without looking? This is a game. I do, I do not have it handy, and I'm – I'm I'm kind of nervous to guess because I feel like I'll I'll be off by a embarrassing amount, but I would guess maybe one thirty. You're close, one thirty-two. Good job. Okay. Good gotcha. job. Yeah. Um. So that's that's pretty pretty average. That would require UVA to get at least sixty. It's probably sixty. Well, it's a minus six, so I'm not gonna do the math right now, but at least 70 or so to, to be able to win. Um, yeah. So with that, Sean, what are you, what are you looking for this UVA team to do? We talked about shooting a little bit, just shoot consistently, but besides finding that shot from deep, what is a successful thing that the who's need to do in the tournament to, to make a run or at least make it to the, round of 32 at this point, right? You got to take one game at a time. What do we need to do to beat this Furman team? Yeah, um, I would say on the offensive side of the ball is just take better care of the ball. You know, I, I'm thinking and hoping that that Duke game was a bit of an outlier or an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we'll see Reese or Kihei or Armand, for that for that matter, uh, play that sloppy again. But um, offensively, I think we take care of the ball against Furman. That's going to be a good sign you know if we can have like single digit turnovers i'd say that'd be a a good goal to strive for Mm -hmm. um and then defensively just make sure you know with what we talked about with Furman's strength being inside scoring and being less efficient of a three-point shooting team just really stick to your pack line principles and you know really keep them out of the lane and you know i think Fortunately, that's what the pack line defense does. So mm-hmm. I think what you were saying earlier, this could be a good defensive matchup for us. But, you know, maybe give up some threes when you have to um, to, to keep that interior sound and uh, solidly defended. So those are kind of offensively and defensively what I would look for here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think I'd love this team to really get physical. I think that we've got some players – that can really take over this game. I think Armand, Armand in the recent games has been really good at getting to the basket. Mm-hmm. I think that if he can continue to do that, you know, he'll be able to to really take advantage of his size against some of these undersized guards for Furman. You know, uh, their their leading scorer is I think he's six one maybe, and uh, so. You know, we he's going to be matched. He's six three. He's going to be matched up against Reese, so that's fine. But you know, their other they're the guards. They I don't know if they have the 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 length or the the strength to really keep Armon away from getting what he wants. Uh, I want to see us shoot shoot good, shoot well. We uh, I read this in one of the stats. 
uh, earlier is that Furman is one of the worst teams in the country at guarding catch and shoot threes. So if we can get some paint touches from Reese and Kihei, kick it out to an open Isaac or Armon or Kihei or Reese, we'll be able to to get some points that way. And I think that, you know, we need to make free throws. Um, I think that this team is can take advantage of fouls. We used to be really good at getting to the foul line, and we went away from that a little bit as we mm-hmm. changed offenses this year. I think that if we can get back to creating contact and getting physical, get some of their good players like Slauson, uh, they're really good forward and foul trouble, I think think we'll be good. I think we'll be okay. Yeah. That's a that's a great point about the free throw shooting. Um, that's been kind of a little puzzling as to, mm-hmm. you know, why we're taking so many fewer free throws than we were earlier in the year, but also shooting the lowest percentage that I can recall. I think we're I think we're like sixty eight percent or something like that as a team. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, during the Duke game, Dustin, I was I was kind of asking myself, you know, the players that were in the rotation that day. Okay, it looks like we're 70% as a team, but regardless, not great. Mm-hmm. But anyways, during the Duke game, I was kind of asking myself, like, who would I want, like, taking our free throws? Who would I want uh-huh. at the line? And the answer I settled on is is kind of a, a weird one, but I, I somehow arrived at the conclusion that Shedrick might be the best free throw shooter on our team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's at 79%. I was about to ask you another trivia question. Caden's shooting 79% for the season. Tops in the tops in the in the on the squad right behind right in front of Reese, who's at seventy eight point eight, and Kihei at seventy seven. You know, but like Armand shooting seventy, Jaden shooting around sixty eight. But but he made a lot of free throws in the uh, in the ACC tournament. You know, he was uh, shooting well. I, I he was seven of eight against Carolina, and it was one of two against Duke, but. Three or five against Clemson, so he could bait him against Carolina, so he can make them. It's just, you know, it's all it's all mental there, and and can they lock in during this tournament to be able to get it there? It's just that's the question. So I think yeah. I think it's going to be a fun game, and and I'm looking forward to to seeing what happens. Do you think Caffaro starts over Shedrick again, or do you think with the smaller lineup of Furman? Mm. Caden gets to start. Yeah, man, that's that's a that's a tough one. Um, I like both the way that both of them looked against uh or in the ACC tournament. Um, yeah, we probably could go with a bit of a smaller lineup, but um, I would probably suspect that Caffro might start again. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, he probably averages a foul for every three to four minutes played. So I'm sure yeah. by the under sixteen timeout, he'll be out of there. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to hard to say, but you know, he um he he's good like as I said earlier enforcer where he just kind of like sets the tone a little bit. Once he fouls, Tony usually pulls him and puts in Caden. <laughs> so I I am I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to put it up during class tomorrow. I'm going to say, "Hey kids, don't 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 say anything. Are you going to get we're going to do our work and we're going to just watch this game. And it's going to be all good." So um we'll see how it goes i'm gonna be a nervous wreck and uh i think it's gonna be fun i'm hoping it's gonna be fun so if not this sucks because it's like the second game of the tournament 
And so if yeah. we lose and we're out, I'm not going to want to watch anymore, at least for the first couple of days, which is the most fun part. So uh, for sure, I hope we win. I really hope we win. <laughs> yeah. The, the UMBC year when mm-hmm. that happened, that, that like ruined the whole rest of the tournament for me. And I just, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it, the other games. I couldn't enjoy mm-hmm. the other games. And, and you're right. There's only one game before us. It's West Virginia, Maryland. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think this year, most UVA fans probably aren't expecting like a, a final four type run, but mm-hmm. um, it would still be a, it would still kind of ruin the early rounds of the tournament if we were to lose to yeah tomorrow. So I didn't watch any of the 2018 tournament after the first couple of days. Cause we were the last game of the first round. Yeah. And so, yep. but that tournament was crazy. You know, you got the Villanova shot over, uh, no, no, you got Carolina winning. Um, or no, no, it was the Nova shot, right? It was the um, Jenk, wasn't it Jenkins? I can see. I it. don't think. I don't think or it was that, that the year, year before. Th- that was yeah, the year I think before. the um, the Nova shot was an earlier year than that. Okay. Well, anyway, it was an all-time tournament. With you got the well, you had Loyola Chicago making the final four. Right. Um, you had, of course, UMBC winning. You had um, that. Oh, that was the tournament where Villanova just crushed Michigan in the second in the in the yeah. championship game. It was just no fun. But the rest of the tournament was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a great turn. I, I remember what I mean. I saw highlights, but I didn't watch any of the games. It was too sad. Too sad. Anyway, yep. um, <laughs> Sean, any any last thoughts, feelings, concerns about UVA this team? Yeah, I mean it's you know it's been a it's been a good ride. Um, obviously, there's you know this probably isn't our our top team that we've had in the Tony Bennett era, obviously, yeah. but it but it's also a pretty solid team. So I think um, you know probably expectations or goals. You know I think Sweet Sixteen would probably be like my my goal if I, if we reach the Sweet Sixteen, then I would consider that to be a a pretty solid result in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, if we somehow make it there and find a way to upset Alabama, you know, icing on the cake, making it to the elite eight. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to enjoy this run and, and see what we can do. And, and hopefully it's, it's not a brief stay in the tournament. So, yeah. And, you know, I want to, I want to give a quick shout out to Armand and Jaden because it's their first NCAA tournament for both of them. And this is what they, came to UVA for and you know last year didn't work out but this year you know they've they've both played really well they've upped their game Jaden took him a little while to to get it moving but he got it moving during ACC play and he's really I think he's in peak peak performance mode right now and Armand has been really steady all year uh you know shooting 30 38 percent from three which is like right where we need him to be and not afraid to shoot not afraid to drive not he's a great defender so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing those two play and and see how they bring it in the probably the biggest games of their lives uh, at this point. So so yeah, yeah. So um, I'm excited for that. Definitely. Just one note about Armand, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, but I've been really impressed with his off ball movement, like his cutting mm-hmm. and and moving without the ball. And I, I think um, if he can do that in games where his three might be off, he could still find a way to give us, you know. 12 to 14 points if he's 
moving without the ball in that way and, and cutting yeah. so well. So I did love to see him doing that. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah. All right, Sean. Well, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, we got to hop off so we can watch that uh, yeah. 11, 11 first four matchup. Uh, where, Sean, where can our friends find you and uh, hear you and Kari talk about talk about hoops? Yeah, yeah. So we're Who's Hooping podcast. We're on Twitter. Um, we post all of our podcast links there. But yeah, we use, um, you know, Anchor platform and we publish out to Apple, uh, Spotify. Um, I'm sure a few others that Kari would know, but those are the main two. And, and yeah, we're out there. So give us a listen and, and thanks for having me on, Dustin. And yeah, let's enjoy the fun. Cool, man. Go Who's. Go Who's. <laughs>